You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Hope you brought your Bible with you. Hope you brought something to take a few notes with. Whether it's uh, on a device or however you want to do that. We've been talking for a few weeks now, I believe, you know how it is when I say this, I think this is, uh, we're going to wrap up this series. I mean, we could go on with this for months, no doubt, but I believe we'll be wrapping this series up today. So we've been talking about knowing God's nature, and then we just transitioned into knowing that part of his nature where he declared himself to be the Lord God who heals us. And we've been talking about healing. We've been going through a lot of ideas about healing, a lot of truths about who God is, how to view all of that, how to know that uh, God is a healer, that he heals all the time. We've gone through for the last several weeks, and I'd encourage you, if you haven't been here, I'd really encourage you to get the podcast or to get um, watch the YouTube videos, whatever, uh, pick up those teachings. We live in a time where it's so important for us not only to be receiving health and healing into our bodies, but to be pouring it out to other people. Part We talked last week about the fact that it's a foundational part of our assignment as the church is to go out and heal the sick, right? Jesus said it. He always he doesn't say those things to challenge us, to see if we can do it. He gives us those assignments and then fills them with his grace. And so it, uh, our our part in that is just to be willing and obedient. Okay. Um, So today I want to wrap this up and I want to talk about this thought. I've got some things to say today that, oh, I guess I need to hit play, huh? Uh, I've I've got some things to say today that some, I don't know, some of you may find uh, challenging or uncomfortable. That's okay. Uh, We all need to be challenged. Um, There are some hard truths in what we're going to talk about today. Uh, But I want to talk to you about this idea, we talk about this once in a while, that as believers, we should never allow ourselves to partner with a spirit of infirmity, okay? And I want to talk around that a little bit, tell you what I mean by that, what I don't mean by that. Uh, There are a lot of different areas of life where by our words, by our attitudes, by our actions, by the things that we allow or disallow, uh, we we can partner with what God is doing in our lives, <clears throat> or we can partner with uh, what the devil is trying to do in our lives and his stealing from us, all right? Uh, by aligning ourselves with different ways of thinking, with different beliefs, uh, with different attitudes. Uh, We can go on one side or the other of that. So when I say never partner with a spirit of infirmity, all right, first of all, whenever we say that about about any area, because sometimes we'll say, don't partner with a spirit of offense. Don't partner with various things. What Again, what we're mainly talking about, sometimes we're talking about actually partnering ourselves which none of us would want to do, but we still can, with an actual demonic entity or demonic strategy that's going forward in the earth. And we know, uh, for example, in Luke uh, chapter 13, I believe, 
uh, Jesus, remember, he, he uh, prayed for a woman. They were in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and there was a woman there who it says was completely bent over, and she couldn't straighten up or even look up. She couldn't, and, and Jesus said specifically that that um, problem that she was having was caused by a spirit of infirmity. All right, so that had, and, and later as he, he prayed for her, he, he loosed her. He said, be loosed from your infirmity. And then he laid his hands on her, pray for, prayed for her, and she stood up. And of course, this was in church on the Sabbath. And so religious people got mad because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And they had that whole discussion. And, and he, he said, you know, come on, you guys. This is my paraphrase, obviously. You guys will always loose your donkey on the Sabbath, but shouldn't this daughter of Abraham, in other words, a covenant woman, shouldn't she be loosed from this infirmity where he says Satan kept her bound for 18 years? So we have that example. We have other examples where Jesus, where uh, someone couldn't speak or couldn't hear. And in some cases, he prayed for them or, or uh, just commanded them to be released. In other cases, he dealt with a demonic entity. So we know that there are spirits sent to, bring, to specifically bring sickness and disease. And in this woman's case, she had it for 18 years. Can you imagine being in that condition for 18 years? Just think, and I, I mean, I imagine all this was dealt with at the time, but just think of the transformation, not only in your life, being able to stand up and look up and all that, but I always think about all the muscles that would have to change, all of the everything to, be, to carry yourself in that way, and then to be straightened up, everything in your life would change. It's just so amazing. But at any rate, so sometimes when we say don't partner with the spirit of infirmity, maybe we're talking about partnering with a spirit of infirmity. But also a lot of times we just use the English word spirit to describe a mindset or an atmosphere, an environment that we've created around ourselves. And many times in this case, what, what we're going to be talking about today, that's exactly what it is, is that we will begin to, and I've just got a, a little list here for you. We need to, we need to actually resist sickness and disease. We need to see it in the light of everything we've talked about the last three weeks. We need to understand it's not God's will for people to be sick. It wasn't there in the garden. It won't be in heaven. It's not God's will. It's a part of the sin condition in the earth that any of this exists at all. He sent his son to take those stripes on his back for healing. We've looked at so many verses about this. We saw where uh, Jesus ministered to the, the leper and, and, and the, you know, the guy said, you can heal me. You have the power to heal me if you really want to. And Jesus said, of course I want you healed. Be healed. His will is for us to be well and to be healed. So <clears throat> the thing for us to understand is that in the kingdom, we have promises and those promises carry the power to release themselves into our lives. They're all given by grace. We don't earn them or deserve them, but they do bring us into a position of having responsibilities. And one of those responsibilities is simply to receive, simply to receive what he has promised us. We can think of this, this um, 
phase of responsibility as responding to his ability. I mean, there are times where we just need to respond. And in that, many times we have to say yes to him and to his promise and no to something in our lives. And we many times have to say a definite no to something that's trying to come in to our lives, whether that's sin or sickness or uh, whatever it might be, broken relationships, whatever it might be that we know is not his will for our life. Our responsibility is both to say yes to him and to say no to it. So there's a place for us to, to stand up and not allow a, a sickness, a disease, an infirmity, an injury to take up residence in our thinking, to start to control the way we view our future. And a lot of times this takes prayer. Okay, and I want to make it clear. I'm not getting down on anybody. I'm just saying, if you want to be well and you want to see other people get well, there are places where we have to say, no, I am not allowing that thing. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying it has no right to trespass in this body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which was bought with the blood of Christ, for whom Jesus took stripes on his back it does not have a right. And that's part of our resisting sickness and receiving healing. And sometimes we have to do that in intercessory prayer, you know, for somebody else. So what I'm saying to you is don't get comfortable with sickness or disease. Don't get comfortable. Don't allow it. We all have to deal with it. The, it, it when we get sick, and all of us do, when we get sick, it's not that we're in sin. You'll have to wait till after. I'm not smart enough to be able to answer questions and do this at the same time. Uh, I, want, I want this to be real clear. I'm not saying anybody is, oh, well, you know, any negative thing you could come out with that, oh, your faith is lacking or this or that. That's between you and God. We all have to deal with this. I'm just saying this is one of the areas where I think sometimes we fall down. We begin to accommodate it. We begin to shape our thinking around it. We begin to shape our worldview around it. We develop a lifestyle around a sickness or a disease with no exit point, okay? Uh, many times, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, and we'll see this. Many times, there's something that we have to accommodate in the sense that if you're injured, there's a recovery period many times. If you receive a miraculous healing, wonderful. If it's instantaneous, but many healings are progressive. And there's accommodation that has to be made. I'm not saying if you've just had surgery on your knee, don't use crutches or a cane. Go out and, and just jump out on the ice and have a good time. Yeah, it's not what I'm saying. But those accommodations are temporary. We're looking to the exit point. We're looking to the place in here. We're looking to the place of being fully strong and healed and, and moving on with life. Does this make sense to you? Okay. I think it's a problem to accept inevitability of a sickness or a disease. Right now, the thing you're reading is everyone will have COVID. Every time I read that, I say no. Every time I read that, I say no. Because that's just not right. That's not even true in the natural, let alone in the spirit realm. Everyone will have it. Well, what's that designed to do? To get you to start saying everyone will have it. I'll have it. I saw people at the beginning that they were saying, oh, I'm for sure going to get it. 
And their friends were saying, you're for sure going to get it. And they were accommodating that. And guess what? They got it early and had it bad. Okay. And this isn't just about COVID. There are many things like this that is, it's, we'll just accept, well, this is just inevitable. We have given colds and flu a season. They don't deserve a season. They do not deserve a season. You may think that's silly. Well, they usually come in the winter. I know. I get it in the natural. I'm talking about what's in our hearts. How are we thinking about this? When we look at what Jesus has said and done, don't give it a season in your life. Don't say, well, I'll probably just get it. And We start accommodating things like that. We start accommodating that little stuff. And I've been as guilty of it as anybody. We start, ah, oh, it's just a cold. Yeah, it is. But the faith that you learn to exert for the cold is going to be the same faith you're going to need to exert for whatever else might come along that's bigger in the future. Those are practice runs, if nothing else. I don't think we should ever accommodate something that isn't God's will. Genetic disposition. Well, my family's all had it. Well, you've got a new family. You've been born again into a new family. You've been born again into what the Bible calls an eternal and ever-living hope. You've been born again. Your father has sent his son to die for you so that you could be free from these things. Why did he do that? Because he loves you. He has something better for you. But we'll just, oh, we're just genetically, oh, we're all like this. Well, stop it. Stop it. And, and let me say this because people misunderstand this a lot. If you know me, you know I have no problem uh, with doctors and with using the wisdom that God has given to the medical field. I don't have any problem with that. I, my dad was a doctor. My mom was a nurse. My sister was a nurse. My brother was a nurse. I came from that kind of family. What I also learned in that family from those people was they don't know everything. They're doing the best they can. They're growing. They're learning. They're learning all the time. Things change. We talk about this all the time. Just in our short, brief, young lives, we have seen so many uh, health-wise, nutrition-wise, we've seen so many fads come and go, you know, don't eat eggs. Whatever you do, you'll die tomorrow if you eat eggs. Everybody quit eating eggs. And then I guess there were too many eggs because then pretty soon, oh, eggs are actually really good for you, you know? And I mean, we've seen it over and over and over. It's hard not to get cynical towards some of it. But what I do personally is if the doctor has a report, I listen to that, but I don't give it place in my heart. I try, and it's harder, but I try not to give that place in my heart I try instead to go before the Lord and hear what he says. Should we just work with this? Is, is this the avenue to bring healing? Great. If it's not, or if part of it is, or something, I want to discern that from the Lord. I want to know what is the course you have for me in this. So I respect what they say, but I respect the word a lot more. Okay, does that make sense? So we're, what we're talking about is, is what's going on in our hearts. But at some point, we have to decide that we're not going to just accommodate sickness, disease, injury. Remember, uh, in November, Jamie was here with us at Remedy. And honestly, and I would ask you, be praying for Jamie coming up to get in here for Remedy. 
Because inevitably, and we all love to have her here. She's a real asset to, uh, you know, we all love her. She's part of this congregation, even though she doesn't live here. But inevitably, devil tries to make one of the kids sick. There's a snowstorm. There's something. Last time, she's out here doing whatever, twisted her ankle. She told us this uh, story when she was up here. And it was on that day, on Sunday during the day. I think they're at Mario's or something. Anyway, twisted her ankle badly, wondered if it was broken. But she felt in her heart like she needed to say no. And in this case, I'm not saying you always do that, but in this case, that's how the Lord led her, was say no to that thing. And during the afternoon, it was hurting, and she kept telling it no, no, no. When she finally, she got here, she walked in the door, and all the pain and all the swelling and everything went away, and she was just fine. It was there to keep her from fulfilling her assignment, okay? I'm not saying everything that happens is that way. I'm saying be sensitive to what is the Lord saying? How is he telling you to handle this? And as long as you're following, honestly, as long as you're following his instructions, none of the rest of us have anything to say about it. So let's go over to John chapter 5. Did I ever tell you that? (laughs) <laughs> I got one no and one yes. That's right. And which one wasn't listening, Pastor Karen? Uh, all right, John chapter 5. I want to look at this. We're going to pick this apart a bit today. And um, so let's just go ahead and begin. We'll begin in verse 2. All right, which I think, yeah, is what I have up on your screen. So it says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So that term Bethesda, first of all, uh, means house of loving kindness, or it can be translated house of flowing waters. Okay, and many times, uh, first of all, healing is always an expression of the love of God. It's always a demonstration of his love and his mercy and his kindness. And even though we know we live on this side of the cross, it's part of our covenant. It's part of his promise to us. Still, even though, I mean, we can, we can say, honestly, healing belongs to us. It's the children's bread, right? I mean, it, it belongs to us. He's given it to us. And we can say that, but at the same time, it's great to remember every time we experience it, every time we experience it, It's an expression of God's grace. It's given to us freely. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It's an expression of his loving kindness. So Bethesda, that's one of the meanings of Bethesda is house of mercy or house of loving kindness. And then this idea of house of flowing waters. A lot of places in the scripture, flowing water is used uh, as a picture of the movement of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit working in people. And just one of those, um, John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39, uh, Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being 
shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. He was speaking here of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were afterward to receive, for the Holy Spirit had not been yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So it's just one of the places there's this picture of as the Holy Spirit flows out in power, it's, a, it's compared to this idea of flowing waters. So in this pool, and this is pretty interesting because you understand, even though uh, this appears in the Gospel of John, this is before the cross. So technically, this is still Old Covenant. I realize it's in the New Testament in our Bibles, but it is, it is the very end of the Old Testament. It is right before Jesus goes to the cross and the Holy Spirit is poured out. So at times, or in some of your Bibles say in certain seasons, that term seasons doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean natural seasons. It means a specific time that, that carries specific characteristics with it. Uh, many times it refers to an ordained or appointed time for something to happen from God. And so at certain times, Old Testament, this water would be stirred up. There would be moving water and whoever got in there first would be healed. That was, there are many places, and I, I don't want to get off on this because we could take all day with it. There are a number of things in the Old Testament that we see where someone by faith reached into our day, essentially, and received something that we have under the new covenant that didn't really exist yet under the old covenant. Davidic worship is a great example of that. David uh, set up this tabernacle. There was no animal sacrifice, which it was supposed to be, but they had 24-7 worship and prayer going on. Well, that's something from our day. That's something we get to have. And But David took that. He was never rebuked for that. He was never, it is held up. In fact, it's spoken of throughout the Old Testament as a picture of what New Testament uh, worship was going to look like. In the same way, this was a time where it was this picture of the moving of the waters, the moving of the Holy Spirit. And under the Old Covenant, people could get into that and receive their healing. And and. So at that time, in this case, I realize there were other ways for people to be healed. But in this case, here's this picture. People had to come and they had to be there when the water moved. And then only one of them got to receive healing. Now in the New Testament, Jesus is sending out a whole army of people that have rivers of living water flowing out of them with the assignment to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So the new covenant has so such so much greater outflow of blessing than the old covenant. But this was a picture of it. And so here was this guy who'd been here. We don't know how many people were there, but it's it's a bunch, okay? And here he is, and he's been there. He's well, it doesn't say he's been there, it says he's been sick for thirty-eight years. Let's let's go to the next, begin in verse 5. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity, and that word means a deep-seated, lingering disease or weakness or tendency towards sickness. It can be used a number of different ways. Uh, but at any rate, he'd been, he had an infirmity 38 years. Obviously, it affected his movement. We don't know everything about it, but he couldn't get to the pool ahead of anybody else. So obviously... He was laying there on a bed. You know, he was paralyzed to some degree. 
And so he'd been, he'd had this condition for 38 years. I mean, sometimes we just need to stop and think about that. Think back 38 years. Even for those of us who are more mature, that's a long ways back to be sick, paralyzed for 38 years. And so here he was, he was at this pool and Jesus comes up, sees him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, to say the least. And Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to get well? That verse blows my mind every time I come to it. I don't think, I mean, obviously Jesus was saying what the father said, right? Doing what the father would do. But I mean, just in myself, I walk up to a person who's been paralyzed for 38 years. I would never say, well, do you want to be made well? And I don't know if that was his tone or not, but he asked this question, do you want to get well? And here this guy is at the pool, he's trying We have no idea how many times the water had been stirred while he was there and he didn't get there. We don't know how much discouragement he was under. But Jesus, when he does ask us questions, he always asks us questions for, it's for us. It's to reveal what's in our hearts. It's to draw out of us what's in our hearts really so that he can deal with it. He doesn't ask, he didn't ask because he didn't know, right? He asked because the man needed to know. Do you want to get well? Do I do I want to get well? Well, that's a really loaded question. Do you want to get well? And I'm here to tell you, I have ministered lots of people for many years, and I've ministered to people who did not want to get well. And it wasn't because they didn't believe in Jesus. It was because they had built something, a system, an accommodation, a comfort zone, um, sometimes a financial situation into their lives that they didn't want to let go of. So they wanted to be well, but they didn't want the responsibility that would come with being well. And again, I'm not telling you, I'm going to make some hard statements here. I love everybody. I want you free. I want you healthy. I want you well. I want your friends well. And this is why I'm saying this. We really have to analyze sometimes. And and when we're praying for other people, I'm not saying ask everybody this. Be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying, sometimes people are resistant to getting well. And it's kind of strange, but it's there. And so Jesus asked him, do you, do you want to get well? And so he says, his answer is, he doesn't answer the question. He starts into a well-rehearsed narrative. You can tell by listening to this, that this is what he's been thinking. This is what he's been focused on. This is, this is where his mindset was. And I believe this is what Jesus was trying to bring up to him. The, the sick man answered him, sir, number one, I have no man. I don't have anybody. Okay, I don't have anybody who can help me to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And then secondly, while I am coming, another steps down before me, Right? So again, we don't know how long, we don't know how many times that water had been stirred and he couldn't make it. And he got thinking this way. Nevertheless, scripture tells us hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this guy's heart had become sick. And his mindset had become because I'm alone, because I don't, his, his response wasn't, 
thank God I knew he'd send somebody one day. I knew that my God would show up one day. It's not what he said. He went right to what he didn't have and whose fault it was. Those are bad mindsets to have, and they will keep you from getting healed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he didn't answer. I believe what he said came out of discouragement. It came out of a lack of hope. And, uh, but, he, but it really gives us an idea of what was going on in him. The first thing he says, I have nobody. Okay, And while, while that may very well have been true, and a very sad thing in his life. Nevertheless, when when we start into that mentality, we we can be thinking, well, nobody really cares. You know, nobody I'm I'm all alone in life, and most of the time we're not. But I've seen people surrounded by people who love them that decided I'm all alone. I've seen people isolate themselves on and on and on, especially when life is going good isolate themselves, don't connect with anybody. And then when something happens, they really do have nobody or just about nobody because they didn't make any of the connections and friendships in the body of Christ that God had brought along the way along the time. You've got to make connections so that there are people around you when something happens, okay? But, uh, but it's something that can get on the inside of us that I'm alone, nobody cares. What that is, another hard statement, it's self-pity. And self-pity is a door to resentment and bitterness and anger and isolation and all kinds of negative things. It'll open the door. It'll take us down a road we don't want to go down. So when it tries to enter into our lives, we're all susceptible to it. When it tries to enter into our lives, we have to say, no, no. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there in my thinking. The word self is really prominent in the term self-pity, okay? It puts us in the center. It pushes everybody else out. It puts everybody else, in a, including God, in a bad light. Self-pity is, it'll lead to hard-heartedness. It's just, uh, you know, and, and again, self-pity will lead you to partner with that spirit of infirmity. The devil will pat you on the head and tell you how sweet you are and give you all the sympathy in the world all day long if he can keep you out of getting well and getting on with your assignment in Christ. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He'll nurture that. He'll nurture that attitude on the inside of us all day long. He'll point out how many people around you don't care enough, you know. And and the thing is that a lot of us, we grew up in a situation where the only time we really felt loved was when we were sick. When we were sick, mom or whoever would take care of us and cuddle us and put us under blankets and, you know, uh, bring us orange juice. And, you know, that's when the rest of the time, maybe you were kind of ignored. Well, that's sad, but you can't let it define the rest of your life. You've got to deal with it because you can get into this place. And I've seen people do this. I have seen people stay sick and I know in my heart it's because of the attention and the sympathy and the love that they feel. Self-pity, uh, misplaced, uh, striving for, for people to love them is another reason we'll partner with the spirit of infirmity. Shame, feel like we're not worthy of God's healing. 
keep us, it'll keep you in that place. There are various reasons that we'll stay in that place and just partner with that infirmity. And it's sad because you'll miss out on the life that God has. And again, I don't say this just to you. You're going to minister. You guys are going to minister to lots and lots and lots of people. And I don't want us to go out with some, I'm not trying to encourage a judgmental attitude toward people, but sometimes we do need to have our eyes open that sometimes these things are in somebody's life and they need help getting free from it so that they can get healed, okay? Or so that they can get free from, you know, anything in their life. Second thing he said, while I'm trying, somebody else gets it. While I'm trying, somebody else gets it. We talk about this all the time. When we're in that place of believing God for something and it hasn't happened yet and we're waiting, when we hear somebody else's testimony of getting it, we've got two choices. We either let that discourage us, we get jealous of them, we say God doesn't love me as much as them, or we use their testimony as a launching pad for our faith, knowing God is no respecter of persons. What he's done once, he will do again. What he, because it's part of his nature, he does things that are according to his nature. If he healed that one, he'll heal me. We either, we go one way or the other with that. When we hear somebody else's testimony, you've got to intentionally rejoice and thank God for what he did there, knowing that yours is on the way, okay? This man, again, I'm not faulting him. This is a horrible situation. I'm just saying this is what had developed in his heart. Well, whenever I'm trying to get there, somebody else gets there. You can just kind of hear the bitterness in that. Somebody else gets there. This is not fair. This is not right. I think all of us are susceptible to that. We've got to be aware of it. We've got to stay out of it. And we've got to instead say, thank God that won't get healed. I'm next. You know, uh, whatever it takes. Okay, whatever it takes. All right, let's go on to the rest of this. You still with me? All right, so uh, where are we? Verse eight. So Jesus says to him, so, so he comes up with that, you know, well, he comes up with those two reasons. I'm all alone and somebody else keeps getting it. Says that to him. Jesus doesn't even address that. Jesus doesn't address that at all, but he gives him three commands. And within each one of these, there's some important stuff. He says, first of all, he tells him rise or arise. Secondly, take up your bed. And thirdly, walk. And it says, immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked. And we'll just put, plug this in because we're going to talk about it. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Okay. So here's a hard saying. Jesus didn't respond to the self-pity. There are situations where we feel sympathy for someone, and that's fine. We might feel empathy for someone. That's fine. I believe that's most of the time that's the heart of God. But there are times where people are asking, they're saying they want want prayer, but you'll notice that week after week, month after month, They are not taking hold of the prayer given. They are taking hold of the sympathy given. This is a hard one, but it's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I've had situations, and this is so sad. I want you to know I don't, I'm not condemning anyone here. It grieves my heart when I see this, but we've had situations over the year where someone comes to church 
and and every week the word's going forth. There are times of ministry, all the different things are going on that go on in church. And that person will kind of take a posture, especially maybe after church, of kind of huddling in the corner, waiting for someone to notice them and come and offer them prayer. And many people do because we love people, right? We go and we offer them prayer and that's fine. But sometimes you'll know in your heart or sometimes just over a period of time, you'll notice they're not receiving the prayer. They're not receiving the word. And I'm not saying just because they're still sick or whatever, you can tell by the, the, the countenance. They're not receiving that. They're receiving the sympathy. And the sympathy is actually feeding the self-pity. And so it's just keeping them in that cycle. And so at some point, somebody needs to stand up. And I'm not saying this is always your role, but somebody needs to stand up if they're going to get free and do what Jesus did. He said, rise. And that term means get up from your sleep or get up from a posture like sleep, which we could call pouting. Stop. This is what Jesus, Jesus said this. I didn't. He said, stop your pouting and get up. That's what this word rise means. Get up. All right. This word, it means don't just lay there and let life happen to you. It means to come to an upright position, to wake yourself up from sluggishness or lethargy. Lethargy is being lazy. Lethargy is just taking a, you know, that at a sluggish attitude toward it. This is what Jesus was saying when he said rise. He wasn't just saying stand up. He was saying break that spirit, that attitude that you've taken on your life. This was, there are a lot of times where Jesus was not nearly as nice as people think he was. There are a lot of, because he wanted this person healed and he had to get him out of that mindset. And this was a, this was a very sharp thing to say. It was a word that was used at the time to basically say, don't just lay there, do something. Don't just lay there, do something. There again, it's like it's, he was putting the responsibility on him. The power was there, no doubt, for the man to do it. But the man had to get up. He had to, to get out of the pouting. He had to break the, the victim mentality. I watched just not that long ago a social worker talking to somebody and this person was just throwing an angry fit. There were people all around this person trying to help them. And instead, they were just angry and screaming and doing this and that and, and basically kind of pushing everybody away. And I was so surprised. This social worker got in her face and said, no, you stop it. Just like that. I was, I was like, cool. And, and <laughs> she said, you stop it. You stop acting like that. You will not talk to people this way. These people are trying to help. I mean, she got in this lady's face, calmed her right down, calmed her right down. And sometimes that's what we need. And sometimes that's what the Lord will do. Sometimes that's what he'll send. I'm not talking about being mean, but I'm talking about getting serious. So, so then he tells him, he says, arise. He says, pick up your bed. All right, so that bed was this structure, symbolically. It was a structure that this man had created to make himself comfortable in his old condition, in his sick 
condition. All right. He, sometimes people build uh, a financial structure that's taken care of them. I, I knew a young guy who was had a disease, it was an incurable disease. Uh, he was on disability. Um, he, he couldn't go to work with this disease because it was infectious. And he got healed at a service. He, you know, people laid hands on him and that guy got healed. And the doctors were freaking out because he didn't have anything in his blood anymore. He was, you know, the guy was healed. The doctors confirmed it, although they, you know, they confirmed it, but didn't admit it. You know what I mean? Their, their tests showed it, but they wouldn't admit it. And they do that sometimes. And, um, but so the next step for him was he had to undo the structure that he had built. He was living with somebody for free. He had disability coming in. He didn't have to go to work. And he stopped. At that place, he stopped. And he was afraid to let go of the financial structure they'd built. He was afraid to take that next step. And he finally moved away. This was back when we were in Albuquerque. He moved away and moved somewhere else. And we heard later, you know, six months or so later, the disease came back and he died. And I firmly believe if he'd have taken that step, he'd have walked out. He'd have walked forward into what God had for him. Okay, God love him. Yep, they go to heaven. Yep, he just missed the rest of his life. And and so, I mean, sometimes we build this structure. And so that's kind of what this bed is. This is what he laid on. This is where he went home to. This is what made him comfortable. That could be any number of things in our lives that we build around an infirmity, a weakness, a, a brokenness, whatever it might be. And so Jesus said, get up, stop your pouting, get up, and you dominate that thing. You pick that thing up. It's been supporting you, okay? Now you're going to carry it off into your future. You're going to pick it up and you're going to walk. And walk just means move forward. Take, take steps, go forward, walk forward and pick this thing up and, and take it, dominate it, carry it. You carry it instead of it carrying you and you walk forward. And, and when that happens, when, when we get well from something, a lot of times God's calling us into something more and, and there are steps we need to take forward to change our lifestyle, to change, to undo whatever we've built in our minds or in our lives around that thing. If we want free from it a lot of times, and this is true of addictions, this is true of all kinds of things, we need to walk forward. And every step is a celebration. Every step forward, we celebrate the healing. Every step forward, we celebrate the freedom. We just keep moving forward. And that's what Jesus said to this guy. He said, stop the pouting, pick up your bed, and you begin to walk. And he did, and he was healed immediately. And I'll wrap it up with this. So then, what happens almost every time Jesus heals someone, the, he gets a bunch of resistance. And in many cases, it comes from religious people who are not comfortable with the victory you now have. They're very comfortable with you still being in your old condition, and they'll even, we can pray together, it'll be nice to you, we'll do all that. But man, you get healed and you start to walk away from that. You get delivered and you start to walk in new freedom. You get, you get rid of the addiction and you're no longer partying with them and they don't like it. And religious people will do that because they're more comfortable with where you were than where God has taken you. And it's something that, well, I don't have a theology that God heals like that. Well, he did. And just like that, this guy, and this was the Sabbath. So, I mean, the consequences could have been that he would be stoned for this. 
And he did it anyway. He picked up his bed and walked. But immediately he was confronted by religious people who didn't have a place for that and decided this doesn't fit in our structure. This shouldn't have been. And I swear, I, I believe Jesus did a lot of things on the Sabbath just to push this button because he wanted them to know I am the Sabbath, number one, and we're going to a new place. But nevertheless, don't be surprised if family or friends or, or religious people or whoever begins to resist the new freedom that you're walking in. It happens all the time. You've got to keep walking. And you've got to don't, don't get mad. Don't build up bitterness. Just keep walking with the Lord. Keep taking every step. Keep celebrating every step. But this is a, this, these are things that keep us from partnering with that spirit of infirmity. We've got to be able to take it when the Lord says, it's time to rise up. It's time to take a new step. It's time to move on. Pick that up. We're going a new way. You're not going to live like that anymore. We're going to a new place. That's part of it. It's part of the Christian life. And he'll be there with you every step of the way. Did you get anything out of this today? All right, let's stand up and pray together. And we will let you go today. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to pray for any of us, Father, in this place today or that are watching online or pick this up later. Father, if we have built, if we have sheltered ourselves somehow, Lord, in something that is not your best, it is not your will, and you are here to move us out of it. I pray for revelation for us, first of all, that we would see it. We would see what that bed is. We would see any attitude that we're holding on to that is keeping us from moving forward in you. Lord, from fulfilling the assignment that you have for us in this earth. Lord, whatever it might be, we ask you for, first of all, for revelation because we want everything you have for us. We want to be out there doing everything you have for us. And so, Father, we know everything you ask of us, everything you bring into our lives, it is the very best. Your will and your desire, it's the very best. And also, we know we are called to go out into this world and be lights in the darkness, to pray for sick people and see them healed. Father, to to undo the works of the devil, to do the same works that you were doing, Jesus. And so, Lord, we embrace this today. And we ask you for revelation for us personally. And Lord, we choose this morning to leave behind anything that's going to trip us up, that's going to hold us back, that we've just started to rely on instead of relying on you. We choose to let it go. And Lord, we choose to rise up, to pick up that bed and to walk with you. And Lord, I pray that, Father, in us, Lord, you'd work these things in us and help us to go out into this world, our individual worlds, Lord, and carry your kingdom into this world. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world. There are snacks and goodies and lots of friendly people out here. So hang around and uh, get to know some people. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Uh, And then you guys just go out there and be the church. All right, let's do it. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. So just give me a couple minutes.
Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.